Welcome into another episode of Off the Chest with uh, Mike Pecky, Brian Dunseth. Uh, Mike, how are you, man? I'm great. I got a little something to talk about really quick. Okay. And I need your uh, feedback. Okay. Have I failed my 14-year-old son? Ooh. And I'm going to give you this, okay? We have a little mini ping pong table at home, okay? And I am... I feel that I'm one of the best ping pong players I have ever encountered. Okay. That's what I feel, okay? okay? <laughs> my my 14-year-old and even my 11-year-old are pretty damn good, mm-hmm. okay? So the first couple of games we played, it was nice. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't going crazy, but it was good. They're rallying, rallying, slamming stuff, you know, yeah. playing defense. Today alone, I switched to my left hand. And I beat my 14-year-old five straight games with my left hand. Okay. Have I failed my son? Why? Because ping pong is a rite of passage where I come from Yeah. as you grow up. How the hell can I beat him with my left hand? I'm not ambidextrous. Although maybe I am. I am. Thinking about it yeah, now. I am. You really are? Yeah, I really am. Classified. I don't know what that means. How does one classify himself? Well, you as have to go to an ambidextrous person and say, <laughs> "Well, I am ambidextrous." Well, no, no, no. no. So you, I can look myself in the mirror self, and be like, "Yes, yeah, no, self." No. You have to go to a certified ambidextrous specialist. <laughs> okay, no of course there is. There's, 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 there's everything. Do I find them at the mall? Do they sit in the middle of the walkway? Go on Google. Chairs. Go on Google and, and and Google. How do I find out if I'm legitimately ambidextrous? Because you're self-proclaiming right now. I am. Just like I am. Yeah. Because I beat my son five straight games, and he's okay. a pretty good ping pong player. When you play baseball, did you play baseball growing up? Oh, yeah. Which way did you hit? Uh, I was actually a switch hitter yeah, same. in baseball same. Um, with the baseball bat, not, not catching and throwing, Yeah, but hitting. Yeah, I could, I could hit lefty. Can you write? Uh, so I learned how to write with my right hand eh. because I broke my wrist. And what my do you arms consider writing? Hand. You know, can you can you make out what I'm saying? You, by the way, you 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 knocked my handwriting last week. It was terrible. You must have written with your left toe, not your left hand. You're ambidextrous. You're not ambidextrous. Is it ambi or ambidextrous? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just asking for a friend. I don't know. I've yet to, I've yet to come across a certifiable uh, apparently you're the, apparently you're the professional of ambi something stress. All right. So I like the way have I failed started. my son? Let's get back to the original. What do you mean? What? How have you failed him? How could I beat my 14 year old who has been playing? You're ping teaching pong him now? a lesson. Well, that that's more that's talent not, for you. What does it have to do with him? I'm not, I'm the not kid's got to work you harder. If I've taught him a lesson. Has he been eating his protein? Have when he I failed him and not taught him well enough? No. With the ping pong, that says more about you, less about him. It's always about me. I'm giving you credit right now. All right. Yeah. I'll accept that answer. I mean, I feel good. I'm about just that. that. I'm just that good. I mean, I've yet to take that's, you on. That, that's what I've yet to take you on in a ping pong battle, but it sounds pong. like I've got ping pong downstairs. Come on. You haven't been to my I house. I got ping forever. pong on my veins. Well, you have it downstairs. I have it in my that, veins. That sounds obviously <laughs> creepy. Listen, um, next week you can't make the show, correct? I won't be here. Okay, the following week we'll be on, right? Yeah. Let's make on air right now. Between now and two weeks, we're gonna play ping pong. I don't care if it's three in the morning. Don't look at look at you. Look at you backtracking now. You're looking up, saying, "What is my schedule?" You have to be able to carve out at least. You know, my an some hour. of us have children. Some of us. <laughs> I, I'm talking about my child someone, right now. Some of us have a third. My child wife has three that children. Has totally thrown, my two sons. Well, and then me. my wife has four. <laughs> no, because no, I watch. I watch your Twitter account. And me. You're out with hikes I. with them every morning. You're, you're the ultimate dad. No, 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 no. Ultimate. No, no, no. We. I appreciate that, but no, we. Uh, we have a good time. We have a good time. They're now trying to talk me into buying them like fifteen hundred dollar mountain bikes. Ryan, can I can I get a second here? Gibbs, can I get a, can I get a third here? 
he's no no time out time out i want to get a second and third on wait, this wait you got a ping pong table out of has, training he has Aren't changed you the subject on three times I'm putting myself out there because I you, might lose. Aren't you, might out be, there, aren't you out there supposed to be he focusing might be on Forrest soccer Gump. and game plans? He might be Forrest Gump. Talking ping pong? Do you, know, do you know when where? Are you going to play right-handed or left-handed since you're ambidextrous? Well, first I'll play left-handed okay. until you See where possibly we're at. whoop me, and then I'm going to play right-handed. Okay. But speaking of the ping pong table at, at uh, Zebra, there'll be times that literally 20 minutes before we go out for practice, and we've been there for three hours, the coaches, mm. And we're like, all right, we feel good about this. And we just hear the next room over, ding, ding, Albert ding, and Plata, relentless. And I'm sitting there, and they're sitting there going, oh, they're yelling. Albert throws ping pong paddles through the wall. We've had to have our ops guys come and um, redo the wall, redo the wall, just a little, replaster it, um, because he's thrown it through the wall. That competitive, isn't that a fine? I don't know because I'm thinking the whole time I'm all amped up about this practice, and all right, we're playing this team this week. We got this, and. 20 minutes before, I'm sitting here, I'm hearing them going nuts about a ping pong. Like, Are they focused? What, what the hell's going on here? So what else is out there? Uh, like a foosball we table? We have an underwater treadmill. No, which I is saw that. pretty cool. Yeah, I saw that. I have yet to get on there. I was going to say. I have yet to get on a treadmill, you know. In, I did in see you run around. I, I saw you run around the zebra You keep bringing time. that up. I did you, that for you. you. I wanted to impress I go, you. I go, hey, Mike, how you feeling? I think I injured myself. <laughs> Come on, do a better impression <laughs> no, than no, that. No, no, uh, no. Come on. I did my, Let's get back to the <laughs> no, impressions. No, I, I actually did. I did a Bruce and a Bob today again <laughs> on Sirius XM, yeah, because we had JP on there. What we have here is yeah. failure to communicate. I don't think that's either of them. <laughs> um, but I don't think JP sounds I – did, I did open the segment with JP. I asked him if he was wearing a beret, smoking unfiltered, and eating a baguette <laughs> at the same time. And because the mental picture and anguish that I put him through verbally felt good about it. <laughs> but JP's got just such a uh, unbelievable voice. He, he, I, I Colton can't Pipes. I can't. He, he, is, he is the, for me, all due respect to everybody else who's come and gone and who will be a play-by-play. JP Delacamera to me is Standard. the most genuine human being that I've ever come across in my entire life in the game. He is the most knowledgeable and yet the most willing to share his knowledge if you invest time in him as a person. And I mean that by just walking with him. I mean, our walks, legendary five-mile walks, like two, three times a day. And just knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. Yeah. It has been amazing. Um, but he's the iconic voice for me. He is. Men or women, the iconic voice. How long do you think he's going to go for? I think this he loves was, it. I think this was either his ninth or tenth World Cup finals. That's unbelievable. On television, radio, men or women. Okay, because I was thinking of every four years, that would mean 36 or 40 years. But he'd, you're still, about, he'd still be you're like 52 about, if he yeah. started back in the day. But you're talking about... Uh, Men's or women. Yeah. And by the way, did wow. you know he used to call Bigfoot on television? Remember the monster, monster truck Bigfoot? Yeah. He's, he used to call those. He's done NHL hockey. I mean, I'm not joking. I swear to God. I'm not joking. The, I, I bust chops a lot and I joke around. This is one where I'm dead serious. No, I'm not laughing at that comment. I'm laughing at my mind. My mind goes, when I hear a keyword, it goes somewhere else. Do you, know what, do you know what movie I watched on the plane uh, to San Jose? Or, yeah, to San Jose. Um, it has Bigfoot in the title. It's a, it's a new under... The Man Who Killed Hitler and then Bigfoot, I think that's the title. I don't know. We don't travel for TV, so I'm not no, up but on yeah, all the uh, television. What's the, what's the guy on, um, on airplanes Come anymore. on. It's one of my favorite actors. He's from Roadhouse, and he's also Patrick in A Star Swayze? is Born. No, he's also oh. Patrick Swayze, for sure. 
No, come on. The, the Bradley Cooper's brother. You know what I'm talking about. He has Chris, the raspy Chris, voice. Chris Cooper. Might be Chris <laughs> Cooper. There's a movie that's actually yeah. garnered some pretty uh, fame or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's new. The Man Who Killed Hitler. Oh, I know that guy. I know I know his face. I and then I think it's called and then and then Bigfoot. So it's a weird movie, but it's awesome. He actually is in the it a movie cartoon? he was in the war, he killed Hitler. And then, then he, he came home and the CIA, FBI, FBI and the government came and they said, "We found Bigfoot in 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 Canada and he's spreading a virus. So we need you to go kill him." Watch so it. What what would this be categorized as like a comedy? Fantasy? No, it was a it was a sci-fi. It was a uh, Sundance type thing that garnered unbelievable attention, won some Sundance awards, really? and then it went to the mainstream. It's a pretty dramatic movie. Yeah. I gotta figure out. I I can see. I don't I, know how we just got here. We got here from how Bigfoot. You said Bigfoot. Y- yeah, you took J- again. JP, you're taking JP me down. called Bigfoot. You're taking racist. me down a path I'm not really uncomfortable this is with. Six degrees of separation, <laughs> buddy. What about Chris Cooper? Chris Cooper is not. So speaking of oh, America. Oh, from America Sniper. Was that it? I think so. I don't know. I don't know. Go ahead. Um, I feel like you'd be like a Breakfast Club fan. Love you'd be Brad. like the I could, Judd I Nelson. I could go. You want to go line for line? You'd be, like, you'd be like, are you the Judd Nelson in the Breakfast Club? Are you done? No. Is that you? <laughs> School's paying for me this. So <laughs> you want another detention? Yes. <laughs> so you'd be the Judd Nelson? Of that? Yes, I All would right. be the Judd Nelson. I, I respect that. Yeah, that's it, Sam Elliott. What's his name? Sam, Sam Elliott. Elliott. There you go, yeah. Sam Elliott. Yeah, Pull up, hey, you could do that on this TV? Pull up the man who killed... Just click on Sam Elliott. I don't know if you did it or, or Gibbsy or... Pull, pull, pull up the man who killed Hitler and Bigfoot. I want to get the right title. Proceed, Ryan. I'm sorry. I'm all, I'm all over the place. Yeah, I, it's, it's like squirrel right now. Yeah. U.S. Women's National Team. Love them. Who's your favorite player? Now, I, I asked you earlier. Aside from Royals? No, no, no. You can't say Royals. Becky. Can't say. Oh, you can't say. No. The man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. Critics consensus. That's a dumb, that's a dumb name. About lives up to Be- the wild province of his title. In no small the part to Sam Elliott's world-weary work. The Bigfoot. 74% Rotten Tomato. That is pretty. You follow Rotten Tomato? No. Pretty damn. That, that's an unbelievable score. Unbelievable. Why'd they name it such a stupid name? Well, because you know why? Because now you're really thinking about it because of a stupid title. You're saying, I need to see this movie. Mm. Yes, you are. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. You have to go on nature hikes mm. tomorrow morning and, and I get to watch you be the greatest dad in the world no, instead no, no. of watching this movie. Tomorrow, it's, I, I, get, I got my workouts. I got my circuit workouts in the morning. You want to come join me? No. What time? I haven't worked out in come a while. On. It's no. fun. All right. It's Let's get serious now. You asked a question. My favorite... U.S. I'm all over the place. My favorite U.S. Can't say Royals. Okay, can't say Royals, even though I want to say Royals. Can't say it. Okay. So I'm going to have to say this by my favorite performance. I think I know know what you're going to say. Can you write it down so we could, while I'm saying it? So I'm going to preface this by saying to everybody out there listening, my in quotes, my favorite U.S. women performance, U.S. women's performance in this World Cup that cannot be a Royals player, correct, would certainly be Julie Ertz. Let me say, Julie Ertz. You fled through. Come on. You said Ertz. Why? Because I'm so defensive-minded. Is that why? <laughs> Julie Ertz. No, I because went with Rose. no, because I actually thought I was going to write Rose. I was like, no, he's going to go back. He's going to he's going to mind play himself. She, you know, you want to know why you chose Julie Ertz? 
because she reminds you of the way that you played the game. Yes, I think she plays it a bit better. To be honest with, you. I'm, I'm I would not, agree. I'm not 100%. just taking the. Yeah, I'm not joking. More skillful. Around. She does. She, she. I mean, to me, I, we we touched on it in the Pecky show. She reads the game so unbelievable because mm. a lot of times she is isolated there in front. Most of the time. Yeah. And she's just patrolling and sweeping in front of that back four, and she's sniffing out. Uh, and remember, last World Cup, she was a center back alongside yeah. Becky yeah. Sauerbro, and now yeah. she's playing as a defensive midfielder. Yeah. So she's being asked to play a completely different role, and her athleticism, her intelligence, yeah. and I love her tough tackles. I love the way she plays the game. She tackles like a beast. I love, I she love when she like like Becky. pulls her shirt up over yeah. her shoulders, and it's like, all right, time to get busy, and you know someone's going to get yeah. rocked. But in the blink of an eye, after a tackle like mm. that, after a cleanup play that she's sniffing out a counterattack, you find her at the top of the box. Yeah. You find her in the attack. You find her in the she right position. The yep. And she's so unselfish that she will have a go at the goal if, if she has a clear opportunity. If not, she is looking. I'll never forget uh, Thierry Henry talked to me about Bradley Wright Phillips mm. when we first signed him. And Bradley became this player, if you go back and watch over the last couple of years, post-Thierry Henry, about... Uh, if, if you watched the little intangibles, he scored all the goals, but he is somebody like, I feel, like Julie, that is always looking for who is in the best opportunity hmm. to score a goal. Yeah. Not that I have a position with the ball inside the 18, and yeah, I could shoot and it might go in, and most people will do that. But where is the best option to score this goal? Hmm. And I feel that when she finds herself in those positions, top of the 18, around the 18, she is, if she has an opportunity, bam, she's going for it. If not, she's giving it to the person who could most likely score a goal. Did I tell you about my Bradley Wright Phillips story in Atlanta during the All-Star game? So Bradley, I did uh, an ESPN game a couple years ago. And I was filling in for Taylor for one of these games. And we did the Heineken bus where you're sitting down. So I got to do that interview, and I did it with Bradley. Uh, and we had, we had a good time. And BWP's a really, really good dude. Really good dude. And so little by little, you know, we're friendly. We say what's up to each other every once in a while when we see each other. And uh, I saw him in Atlanta. And it was right at the start when fanny packs were starting to come back in for dudes. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's got a fanny pack. He's got one. And so he's got his 99 BWP yeah. branding on going on. But except he wasn't rocking it like a, like a frontal fanny pack, a FUPA fr- fanny pack. A fupa, a fupa pack. Fupa pack. He was he was rocking it over his chest, like a little satchel, <laughs> like a giblets riding my bike home in the middle of the night of a rainstorm, <laughs> back to my house when I'm almost gonna die and get run off the road by buses, like giblets does, except he's carrying cameras and he's carrying uh, computers. So Bradley was, Wright was probably just carrying his. So Bradley of Wright of was dollars. rocking it like a Seinfeld episode. He pulled it's it. It's not a fanny pack. No, no, it's a fupa pack. It's a European. Satchel. European satchel. Yeah, you're a friends guy. Or no, not a friends guy. I'm a Seinfeld guy. guy. Don't ever say that again. Go back, rewind that. Why didn't why didn't friends or why didn't uh, why didn't they Seinfeld ever do like a face to face sleeping episode? Like where he was totally in love with a girl and except because because but what do you mean? Jerry was Jerry's a psychopath about everything and every single finds fault in everything. Yeah. But he still remains friends. So this is like the perfect Seinfeld episode, and it never happened. I'm almost certain, even though I don't watch any of the episodes. He probably how how did he not in one episode find his ultimate dream girl, except mm-hmm. she wanted to be the face to face sleeper, and every time he turned his back to her, she like got pissed and like tried to turn him back around, but she he got freaked out because she had sleepy breath. Well, and- I'll answer I'll I'll answer this in, in two answers. Number one, because it's a sitcom, all right. 
So grow up, all right? It's uh, you, Larry what David. You, what, do you, what do you want? Have you, you not what seen you, Larry what you, David? What do you want there to be a finale? Jerry, yeah. Jerry's finally figured out that a, was part a, of the sitcom. Jerry had airplane, a thing. A fake Number airplane? two, you could argue that he did find his soulmate. Who's that? Elaine. All the while, in 12, 12 years, you whatever find, it was. You, you can't say, hey, let's settle down because everybody else, everyone else in the world no. sucks. You can so have, you're my soulmate? You can if, have the, your soulmate sitting in front of you for years and years and years and not realize it until a key moment. Do you know what the key moment was for Jerry and Elaine? Ooh, tell the me. The last episode when, they're when gonna the die? freaking plane was going down. Yeah. And she said, Jerry, I have something to say to you. Yeah. I've always. And then the plane writes itself. That was vintage Seinfeld right there. Let me ask you this. You know why? Because How, now uh, Jerry's ride is racking for the rest of his life saying, what was she going to say? I know she was going to say I love you, but she didn't actually say it. That's manipulative. How, how long did it take you to know that Ken was the right one? Thank you. And I digress. <laughs> <laughs> He's taken, we're, we're finally I'm, I'm at that it. moment. I'm that using it against shot. him. Yeah, like it. I'm using it against him. I, like I told Jade the first night we went on a date that I was going to marry him. <laughs> Swear to God. Well, and I, takes, and very takes, first night. Uh, yeah. That's the word I'm looking for here on... Serious. Cojones. 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 Yeah. That's just cojones. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't tell Kim the first night. But you wanted to, Mike Pecky. Oh. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Well, let's do this. Let's take a quick time out. On the flip side, we'll continue more off the chest here with Mike Pecky and Brian Dunn. Ponder during the break. Welcome back to the Off the Chess Podcast. Brian Dunseth, Mike Pecky. See what I did? I put my name first. I know. Okay. So are you back to it? I'm back yeah, to now, it. Now, you tried to tell me love happens over time, and recognizing the soulmate can be right in front of you, but you realize it 35 years later. My argument is no, Mike. You're settling. You're settling because you couldn't find anyone else. So you had mentioned that the first night you went on a date, you knew in your heart with my you, wife. You told your wife yeah. that you were going to marry her. My ex-girlfriend I, called me the next day after my Seinfeld. first well, after my first after my first date with my with my wife. Okay. And she was like, "I want to get back together." And I was like, "Nope. Can't talk anymore. Well, Moving on in a different stud. direction." You have and I'm getting calling. Back. I want to get back together. You're Seinfeld. Seinfeld's well, friends with all you've been stuff. you you and Kim been together since like your rookie year in MLS. I didn't know I didn't know the first night that I met Kim that I was going to marry her. Was, I knew the moment that I was born that I was going to marry Kim. Oh, oh, my God. End the show. Credits. Thank you, Ryan. Unbelievable producing. Thank I you very much. I hope you guys have I'm a one upper right in now. your car. For I'm the one-upper. The disgustingness <laughs> that just came out of that. How many, how many nights did Where it take? Where did we go with that? How, how many nights did it take I to cooked her uh, stir-fried chicken. The first time I cooked her stir-fried Frozen chicken. Frozen or fresh cut? It was fresh, but it was the only thing I knew how to cook. It was in a probably, wok or in a pan? In a wok. No, you had a oh, walk. I still have the I still have a walk to this day. I Same walk? Um, it might be. I don't know. My my college roommate might have got it in divorce. Oh boy! But uh, it it was soon after that we dropped the L word. How long? I want to say month. Yeah, it was about but the I, same. But I think that I think that we who could, said it first? You said it first. Um, I'm pretty certain that I did. If Kim was here right now. What kind of face would she be giving you? Kim is the most competitive person in the world. Yeah. So we could have, there could be, there could actually be, if I never told Kim, even if we're married, yeah. we've been together for 20 years now. If I have never told her that I loved her to this point, she would never have told me she loved me. Who says sorry first? Oh my God. Always you. Come on. Yes. Always me. 
I get not si- always. Not always. I get the silent treatment. Silent yeah, I, treatment. I don't even know what I did wrong, and I'm like, I better apologize. Conf- yeah. I better apologize because I get the look, and I'm like, wait a second. It's like Joey Franchino looking at you back in the day. You're like, wait, <laughs> was what the hell did I? It I grew scared. up with Joey. Did you? Did really? I ever tell you that? In, uh, don't in tell Upland. Me where. Okay. Yeah, but well, you can tell his city. Carlos Bocanegra was from there. Yes, come on. That's why I know it. Sanford. Uh, Rancho. Rancho Cucamonga. There, Cucamonga, not Cucamonga. Cucamonga. <laughs> oh boy. No, but listen. Rancho Cucamonga, the second ci- uh, the city in Friday Two, the movie Friday Two. That's, that's where when I they go out from. to the IE. Yep. Hey, why are you kicking my dog? You're gonna <laughs> give him psychological problems. So Gibbs, let me ask you an honest question. We are Friday all too, over the place, but I, I, have a, I, I think this has been a really open discussion type, funny type podcast. Are we really just off the rails right now? Did we cover anything of substance? No. We're not scripted, though. Yeah. No, no, no. Never scripted. But we, uh, you know, we, we want to follow up on the, what we on the show. About. We want to follow up on the show. Just tell everyone bit. to head over to the KSL TV app, click on the soccer ball, and they can watch the Mike Pecky Coaches show over there presented by Xfinity. But here... On this podcast, where you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, um, How the hell do you do that? I wrote it down. See, I can read my, my handwriting, God. unlike you. Um, this is something different. This yeah. is freedom to talk about whatever we want. So, what and you... slowly step up to the edge of cursing, and then pull ourselves back immediately. So, what did you think of the San Jose game with us? Disappointed. I thought that you guys put in such effort for ninety-three minutes to then physically after putting in that much effort to fall asleep mentally to just not recognize a dangerous situation with just minute and a half left it was a bit end. of the uh, i kind of jinxed it too do you know that yeah then the broadcast do you, no, you don't no. listen to broadcasts no i do i jinxed it i probably at that moment when i rewatched it three times was not listening to your commentary smart you had you, it muted how'd you jinx it uh i said really impressive performance considering uh this is one of those games where you could have walked away with three points, mm-hmm. but n- taking away two points from San Jose is something that later at this point in the season could be a huge bump for yeah. you guys. It was a bit of the Liverpool semifinal Champions League with the corner kick. Against was it the, was it the Barcelona? Semifinal? Barcelona was the semifinals. Yeah. Remember when, when he took the quick Oh, yeah, yeah. Trent yeah. Alexander-Arlen. Good it shot. reminded me. I mean, it wasn't a trickery like Liverpool did. Just San Jose took a quick kick, but... It it was it was so frustrating to me, not because we lost in the last second like mm. that, which is a big frustration point, but when we talked about all week about those certain moments that San Jose goes one v one, yeah, and they match up on the field, and if we could be a little bit better one v one with the ball, yeah. individually recognizing, and I have just like this thought in my mind, there was a moment that Brooks, the one that he gave to Beesler, yeah, yeah. That he recognized it. You could watch it on the on the film. That he checked to the ball, checked his shoulder, recognized that he had space both sides. Yep. Great turned, little I turn. think it was Tommy Thompson. Tommy Thompson, yeah. Turned him on a dime and just drove to the top of the 18, which is what we talked about and worked on all week. Not worked on, but we talked about and worked on a little bit, but really emphasized on those key moments. And to put that in, to outshoot them. Uh, shots on goal, total shots. Mm-hmm. And just to, to, to lose like that. Yeah. That was a gut punch. But you know what? At the end of the day, my players know it. You know, we, we did enough to get at least a point, if not three points, mm. but we didn't. Yeah. That's life. But how, where do you go from there? Do you learn from it? 
or do you sit there and sulk the whole week leading into Philly and say, man, we should have done this. Oh, why do we do this? You know, it's funny. I was asked about that today, and I think one of the things that I noticed is there's a couple different narratives you can play. Obviously, you can say, okay, six points out of nine points available, three games in eight days, that's that's always going to be positive. And I agreed with you in your post-game comment. Um, I also agreed with you that you felt like you left points hanging there, and it's disappointing to see the way that you've conceded. My jinx was a team that was younger and more naive would have probably conceded, and then sure enough. But we never even got a good look at how quickly it was played because, yeah. as I was telling you— The camera was on the, on the referee. The camera was on the referee and the three San Jose players that were arguing, Wando, Houston, and Vaco. But was there any the of our players kick. there? No, there no. I mean, they were they were in the vicinity, yeah, but looking. it was more so of in between the zonal marking and the individual marking, kind of the recognition of— Where's danger? Yeah. Because if they're going to set up to take their corner, this is probably going to be their last realistic goal scoring yep. opportunity. So let's just make sure that we're aware of where these three are. Yeah. And then I think when the attention was diverted, next thing you know, you got Paul Marie coming in at full speed. Now it, it begins of immediate awareness, general pressure, immediate pressure, closing down the angle, staying with the multiple runs in the box. Because where I saw Houston stepped back and then went through, and he bypassed, I believe, was it Marcelo and then Aaron? Yeah. To get to that near. And then Nikki's oh, might have been turning. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's toy. And then Nikki is sitting on his front post hard because Marie's coming in. And by that point the ball comes across. He's more reactionary yeah. to get across. So that I believe I could be wrong with the stats. I believe that's only the second corner kick goal that uh, second or third hmm. that we have given up all year out of close to two hundred corner kicks. Yeah. We switched to the zone uh this year and it served us well. There are some things that we could point to, but that that's how, you know, that, that to what me. What are the strengths and weaknesses of that? Because when people ask me, I, I personally, because I didn't like the zone. I hate the zone. Okay, so you hate the zone. No, I love it now. Okay. I was convinced into the zone through uh, collaboration with my assistant coaches, yeah. through, you know, going over video and this and that. I was convinced to try it out. And before I knew it and blinked my eye, we had 100 corner kicks against this year and didn't give up one goal. Okay. The first goal we gave up on a corner kick was against D.C. when we were down two men. Yeah. yeah. So the pros and cons. To me, I don't like it. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I don't like it, yes, because we're in a stationary point mm. of two blocks and players are running onto us and running through. Proactive versus yeah, reactive. That's yeah. what I don't like. Okay, What I do like is in a man-on-man situation, you have so many picks. Mm-hmm. You have so many things you're running through. Looking at the ball, looking at the player that you hear. He's here one minute, somewhere else the other minute. You're running into your own player because it's chaos. Yeah. So it's kind of a pro and con type thing, but... The biggest thing for the zone is that even though you're not man-marking somebody, there are little channels for opposing players to run through. You cannot let them run through there. It's a step one way to block them, to disrupt their pattern. And knowing a little bit of zone that in front of you, you're attacking. Behind you, the person behind you is attacking. And to me, it's worked out besides uh, three moments so far. It's worked out pretty well. But I, I think that we haven't been as clean as I want to. Hmm. Uh, but for the most part, you, you can't argue with stats. I mean, only three three against. Yeah. I, two or three. Two or three. I'm trying to yeah. think. I know it's San Jose, it's D.C., and there's maybe one more. I mean, I, I, I just remember the Columbus game, the header off the crossbar, was the only yeah. other one. that. Well, that right there. So so usually what we do, if there's a player, who, who was the center? Fernale. I mean, he's, Alex he's, he's, he's like 6'4", 6'5". 32'6". What we usually do with guys like Opara, say, from, mm-hmm. from Minnesota, let's just say Chad Marshall when he was yeah. playing, um, 
Natum or somebody like that will have one man marking opportunity. You know, is that we're playing his own guys, but Natum, you're marking this player. Yeah. It's the biggest player. And that, that was the one of the first games that we didn't do that. And he had some clear shots. It's Corey Baird, right? I think it was Baird. Responsibility for Baird on was it set pieces? Anything any service. Not not corners, but set pieces where they're whipping balls in the box. That first first couple times Corey Corey got out muscled when he kind of tried to check up to Cronale. Yeah, but you know, like like I said, that was one it's of the, hard though. That was one of the first times that we didn't say there's a specific marking situation on just this one player. Mm. Everybody else is in a zone, which had served us well. Yeah, you know, I'm not pointing at Corey whatsoever. No, no, um, I, I was, but the the reason why I bring it up is because for you and I, when we when we played soccer or football, I never played in a zone. I didn't like it. I never played more. My my whole life growing up, I was responsible for whoever was like the like the McBride type, right? So I would be responsible for like the dangerous mm-hmm. attacking player, whether it was a center back or whether it was a mid, you know, whoever. It was my, I loved it. I wanted one A on the chalkboard. Yeah, put the pressure. Like okay, who Eddie Pope got him? No problem. Alexa Lawless, mine. Clay Coyman. Okay, I got this. Like Brian McBride. Okay, I, I, because it, it turned into it turned it was it was a little. It was a battle, and as center backs throughout the course of the game, you can like I thought Eric Holton and Marcelo did a really good job yeah. with Chris Wondolowski. Yep. Those, but you also know when Chris Wondolowski, it takes him two seconds. Next thing you know, he's got a game winner, and you're he's like, that guy. "What the hell just happened?" Yep. So you can always make a mistake. I thought the battle within the battle on set pieces was always fun because it's kind of one of those like fu moments. Like, yeah, it, it's your mine. It's fun if it works out. Yeah. If it doesn't work out, you're saying, how could we, you know, and that's why I got convinced, you know, because last year, I, I don't know the exact stats off the top of my mind, how mm-hmm. many corner kicks or set pieces we got scored on, but there was a lot of opportunities. But isn't it frustrating watching guys that don't take pride in their defensive responsibilities on their All set my pieces? guys take pride. I yeah. hear what you're saying. Yeah. No, no, I, this wasn't saying. just a Real Salt Lake thing. Yeah. I'm just saying over the years, there are guys that look at it and be like, oh, okay, I got to get in this position. I guess this is a good starting position. And okay, oh, man, that was like, and watching players' reaction where they just like put their head down and they walk back. Like, I get if you just got like dunked on. Yeah. But like, if you just get out muscled, it's like a pride thing for me. Yeah. I mean, I remember marking Dante Washington my rookie year. Just got the job at Columbus yes. Crew today. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah. It's awesome for him. He's a great guy. He's one of my I remember, he's, you know he's one of my best friends. I know. Yeah. I, I saw some, a couple of your tweets today uh, based off of that. But I remember marking him uh, when I played for the Metro Stars. It wasn't even a set piece. It was that I marked him too tight in the box, my chest to his back. Oh. And he literally not only turned Barreled me with it. his body, but his left arm just like gave the old uh, what, what's Stern the, bull, the bull thing. You yeah. know when you do the thing? Ole. Ole yeah. He did the Ole and just kind of moved me out of the way. You know, and I'm fighting as hard as I could. And he just kind of said, get out of the way, son. Yeah. You know, and, and it taught me a lesson right there. So my point is, is that we went to a zone because I realized I do. I, I love the 1v1 marking in, in the box. I, I mark McBride as well, Pope, all these guys, Alexi. Yeah. Um, and I took pride in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know my guys do. But there's also a lot of factors that come into play. Like we said, the pick, the traffic zone that Body people are service, running through. Yeah. You know, nowadays, compared to, I feel... Nowadays, compared to when we played, teams take a hell of a lot more uh, detail and pride in attacking set pieces mm-hmm. with all these schemes, with all these weird, you know, diverting runs. And, you know, you're finding this one player that's open because you got picked. Yeah. You know, so for us to zone and it's worked out well. But 
Uh, it's uh, I've never been a zone guy, but I'm kind of coming around to it a little bit. What's the one part of the game that infuriates you? Transition. Defending or attacking? Uh, both. Okay. 100% both. Obviously, more defending transition because if you let up in that moment, you'll be punished. Whereas if you let up in the attacking transition, you just might not score, but there's mm-hmm. no, nothing give, given. For me, reactions in this day and age in this game, transition reactions are the biggest. That, that's my opinion. Yeah. The biggest, either positive or negative for a team. There's no in-between. To me, there's no... You know, oh, they did okay. No, it's it's either you're reacting immediately, whether it's counter-pressing defensively or getting back to a block, which, by the way, is one of the hardest things to get across to a team, Mm. is that you have to recognize when the opportunity is not to step up in that moment when you give the ball away and leave yourself exposed. You have to read the play, and if it's not on, get back in a block and make it difficult, as opposed to uh, attacking transition, which you look at a lot. The best teams for me in the league – they get back in a block, and within a split second when they win the ball, there's three, four, five guys on a full run at the top of the box going to goal. Everyone will say LAFC. That's the easy one, right? Yeah. Best in Major League Soccer. And I know I, what they I, do in practice, by the way. <laughs> by the way, okay. I, uh, and, and yeah, I can't wait to hear this one. But no, well. I, I, I think at the end of the season, and this is just my shot right now based on what I've seen so far, at the end of the season – there will be conversations that are going to start up here pretty soon that is this the best team in the history of yeah. the league? I, what do you mean pretty soon? I think I think Well, those... no, you guys talk about it, but I'm saying the mainstream media hasn't picked it up. Well, a couple I... years ago it was Toronto FC, and rightly so, for back-to-back MLS yeah. Cup finals and uh, CONCACAF Champions League final. And then it was, oh, my God, Atlanta United, look how fun they are, but yep. except for the final day they fall and New York Red Bulls take over. But whether you're going all the way back to the Chicago Fire days and his expansion team, or you go back to the LA Galaxy in 98 or Bruce Arena in 96-97 with DC United, there's been some really good teams. I think LAFC is that one that's going to garner the national attention I think to be in that conversation. Have. I mean, it's tough to compare Chicago 98. It's a to, different league, yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, uh, Walt Frazier from the Knicks, mm-hmm. you know, comparing him to Michael Jordan. You know, it's a it's different— like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for the Clippers. No, what against... do you mean? It's not, it's not like that oh, at all. Oh, sorry. I thought we were same... talking about the best team in, uh, in the West. <laughs> I'm talking basketball. about 20, 30 years ago in a sport compared to now. Defenses are different. Uh, makeup makeup of, of physicality is yeah. so different. You know, you can't compare that. But what I will say is I disagree one thing with you. Okay. Is that that conversation has already taken place. I forgot who it was, and people jumped on board. Is LAFC the man city of MLS? Oh, that, was, that was brought you up. on Reddit again? That was brought up three months ago, three, four months ago. How could they be the man city of MLS? I, I didn't write it. I'm not agreeing Were with you. Were you retweeting it? Don't, don't did I retweet it? Yeah. You did not see that? There yeah. was an article written about it. I think you're lying to me no, right no. now. Where I was, was it? I think it was one of your boys, Where? Sam or somebody. The Athletic? Might have been. Yahoo? Might have been something like that. But I, I, I think that they have was already. Was it on BigSoccer.com? Oh, God. I haven't been on BigSoccer.com in about. Is that still a thing? No, I hope not. I think it's, it's shut down. That right? was like the original place to get people in trouble. Oh, God. Like, I saw Mike Pecky smoking unfiltered and drinking <laughs> scotch down in New Jersey. Two things I've never done, by the way. <laughs> scotch and unfiltered, definitely not. Uh, Vodka and filters, for sure. <laughs> um, no, but listen, they have already been compared, I think. You know? I uh, never saw it. You, come on. Now, not that I, I, I don't disagree with it. I think they've done a great job, but I've never heard him say that. 
All right, so let, let's go, let's get to now. What, if they would have said Man United, now now we're talking. <laughs> but that blue, I don't know that blue side of Man. Do you think that LAFC is the Man City of Major League Soccer? Think about that comment. We're not saying they're Man City hmm. of Major League Soccer. Are they the Man City of Major I mean, League I Soccer? I mean, I get what you're can saying. Can they? Can they? Can they eventually, at the end of this year, turn out to be? Can they set records? Not only from points, but how they play. I mean, I think you can make also the same comparison that they're, you could throw at Liverpool. There's the Liverpool of MLS with the way that they play as well um, because I think there's subtle differences between City and Liverpool. But in terms of expansive possession soccer and the transition speed and having players that can individually mm-hmm. kill an opponent for yep. a mistake, yeah, fair. Who has the uh, record for points in Premier League history to win the title? Man City. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Hmm. Let's start right there. Do you think that they could break the? They could. Are they going to? What did uh? What did what did New York Red Bulls have last year? I have no idea. Like ninety. No, they didn't have ninety. Seventy-one. What's the maximum points available? My well, thirty-four times three. That would be one hundred and two. Is that thirty-four times three? Giblets. Come on, thirty times three is ninety. Four times three is 12. 90 plus 12 is 102. Bam! That's pretty good. Mrs. Smith, sixth grade math teacher. So after 19 games played, 43 points. Oh, no. Can they do it? No, not 100. Not even close, right? Not even close. Even if they run the table. They only have two losses. Which is incredible. But that's six points right there. Who's the second loss? I know the first one was Vancouver. Uh, Columbus. No, Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. Oh, God. By the way, what a job Connor's done. Majorly, I, I love Connor. Yeah. Love Connor. Nobody saw this one coming. Did you Did you not? I think Connor is super intelligent. Yep. But if you would have told me, and this I played is, with Connor on the Olympic team. I love Connor Casey. But if you would have told me he was going to be an MLS manager, even if you said he would have been a coach, I would have told you out of your mind. Of course. And, and we could talk about that. Never thought he'd want it. I room with him as well. Uh, he's a free spirit. Yeah, he's a free, free spirit. spirit yeah. You know, but what is the most? What's the most dangerous team to play? After a team starts out a season mm-hmm. for 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 a, a extended stretch, and their coach says this it, is a bottom class team with he, bottom he, class players. Listen, that's another episode we should do. That's how, a preemptive how, strike. How he forced his way out how of that to job. Get fired. How he forced his way out of that job. The and, next Newcastle United genius. Um, but what is the most? Dangerous team to play. Team to that's me, backed against the wall. To me, back against the wall, have not won in so long. Mm-hmm. Change of coaches. Yeah. Okay? Players want to commit themselves. I was very... We were the first team, I first believe. Team. First team. I was crapping mm-hmm. leading at the game. Crappids. Inside. The I want to say... I was, I was crappids, in be, crappids. In, in, before that game. Okay? Uh, because of that reason. Now, we got the result there, but all it takes is one or two, and then... What happens after that? In my you got experience. three VAR calls there too. Whatever, I've never and they seen were all justified. A hundred percent. All justified. Okay. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Okay. But to me, what happens once they get the first <laughs> result and the second, if not the second result? Okay, which is after us. <laughs> yeah. Then they're rolling. It comes down to the coach a lot of it to sustain that mm-hmm. and to 100%. keep pushing that. And Connor has done an unbelievable job. He has righted that ship. Now, I'm trying to think when we play them. Another month or so. Mm. So it's going to be a very different look team. Yeah, 100%. Connor has surprised me. Yeah, great guy. 
great career. Never thought he'd be a coach, but he's doing something right there. Just to be clear, you really thought that hundred percent Justin Glad's hundred tackle per was clear and obvious to overturn that challenge. What hundred per percent? <laughs> Even if 100%. That, even if that was against 100%. you, even if it was against you, well, it wasn't against. No, me, I'm just so asking. Let's that. talk theories right now. All right, let let let's talk. Let's talk. Uh, Jefferson Savarino. Yeah. In D.C. Yeah, kicked him in the face. Have straight red card. Having no clue, looking, following this directory of the ball. Dangerous the, play. Foot shouldn't close, have been that high. In the shortest player <laughs> in Major League Soccer, Acosta. Second shortest player. Who's the first? Uh, Boateng. No, the kid. Oh, Emma Boateng's a good shout. Uh, what's his name up in Vancouver? If you don't know his name, it doesn't doesn't count. What's his name? Doesn't count. Shortest Pla- player. Joao Plata. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Jesus Christ. Joao's like five seven on the uh, on the stats book, but in me. real life, maybe five two and a half. You got me. One hundred percent perfect VAR against Colorado <laughs> Rapids. What? What do you want me? To, what else do you want me to say, dude? No, no, no. We're good. How do you feel about referees? <laughs> Lately, Christian Teixeira. There you go, five two. So he's the, he's the he's the shortest. Hmm. That's that's the list of the shortest players. Teixeira on Google. Google. Okay, let me ask you this. God, what, when? Did, oh, look at that picture of Joao. That was like nineteen thirty two. Harrison a full. He's a good player. Giovinco. Listen, they, you have to update this. Giovinco's not in five three. And there's no chance Corey Ash was five five. Landon Donovan's still on. <laughs> Chris Armas, the coach. No <laughs> way Chris was 5'7". That's what I'm saying. I think Acosta is is, is uh, shorter than uh, Teixeira. That's what I think. And Cunningham Cunningham was bigger than 5'7". Are we really his talking chest, about His chest. I talked to Jeffro the other day. Did I tell you that? Who? Jeff Cunningham. Jeffro. What's he doing? He's chilling. It's tough, man. <laughs> he's he, chilling. He's, he's, chilling. Uh, he's in San Antonio. He and his wife settled in San Antonio after he finished and his career. Is he coaching? Uh, not yet. He's looking for opportunities. He's, you know, for a lot of these guys, it's, you get, you, you, I, you know, I talk, I think we all kind of talk to guys that are in league, guys that are retired for some guys. And this isn't, this isn't exclusive. This is not a conversation about Jeff Cunningham. I love Jeff Cunningham. He's one of my favorite human beings in the planet. This is more of, I, I inadvertently became one of those guys that people started calling when their career was over because I was the first one to kind of transition into something that looks stable outside of going into the real world and having a real job. Um, so I kind of became a, a sounding piece for people of like, hey, w- what do you do? Like, what's the first step? Yeah. And there's no right answer. Do you think that that Major League Soccer or the Players Union should do a bit more? Yeah, but what does ha- that even mean? What though? does that mean? Yeah, I don't know what that means. I mean, the NFL has it. Uh, yeah, Major but... League Baseball, I believe, has uh, I know what NFL is that, like has like getting it. somebody a job, though? No. That, that was always my question. No. Like, what does it mean helping Somebody who is tasked with the transition – from playing to retiring, that that that, that doesn't nobody, gets, that doesn't necessarily that, mean finding a job or job, yeah. but the mentality wise of it. Now, if you would have said having now, I I, I listen, I, I have my own beef about MLS and what needs to be happening, especially with the players' union and like the collective bargaining agreement and trying not to figure. Fights. Yeah, oh, dude, did you see my tweet the other day? Uh, no. Oh. Brian, I don't follow you exclusively. All right, when I when I don't I don't have a ping every time that you do a tweet. An alert, alert. I don't even. I I want a favorite. I want to do the heart thing so many times with your yeah. tweets, but I'm like I'm not going to do yeah, it because you're going to get in trouble. Yeah, he's going to say something because I anyway. I, go ahead. I'm not afraid. What you say? There. I think there should be some call it ever whatever you want. 
But I think any type of revenue that's generated by the league, there should be some type of collective percentage that is then put into a fund for players that had played in Major League Soccer. And I like it. It should be. I think it's premature, but I like it. A year, a five year, a 10 year. It's premature. But if you start it now and you say for every television deal, a percent or 2% of all of that income or anything made off the commercial sale, whether it's Audi or Nabisco or any of those things, then that way you're starting to create a way to take care of your former players. Because there's going to be a lot of us, and I'm one of those included, like concussion issues, injury issues. No, see, I don't know about you. I never filed a workman's comp complaint. Never. I had two opportunities. Me too. One I didn't follow up on. The other one I just said, you know, what These am I doing? These guys in Chicago, the Chicago Fire guys are getting like 40, 50 grand for <laughs> rolling an ankle. They're, they're making a living Josh on... Josh Wolf and Ante Razov and those guys. <laughs> I mean, they're... I they're making believe a living on, uh, on workers' comp. Like, oh, I got tackled in practice day. Which is right. their right. State of Illinois. Workers I remember comp. them. I, I remember players that I played with talking to me about a knee versus an ankle. Yeah, and, then and how much money? How much money you could get more? Which, by the way, is all legal. I'm yeah, not. No, it's uh, the state of Illinois. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's all legal, and and you should. If you get hurt in the job, I get it. Hmm. But to get back to what you're saying, you look at the NFL right now, or not 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 right now, over the last five seven years. Mm-hmm. I think Mike Ditka might have started it. He might have been a big advocate for it. The whole CT. What is it? CTE. CT. Yeah. CTE. I hope that doesn't come into play for us because, to be honest with you, I'm texting my wife daily saying, "When are you going to, uh, you know, your sisters?" Yeah, uh, we just talked about it, uh, you know, this morning at breakfast, and I remember it. But I hope it doesn't come today. But I think we're very far off from some sort of compensation for players who are playing the league. I remember when 401ks that the league mm-hmm. introduced as a player. I think it was 2007 or eight. And I was ecstatic. I said, oh, my God, what's a 401K? Yeah. What, what I know we're going to be able to put money in this and that. And talk to a financial guy, and, and, and he sorted me out. Um, from there, the one thing that I will say is that, to go back to the original thing I said, is that you don't think there should be somebody at the league or at the players' union that is exclusively about transitioning a player. Because when I retired, Bri, when I announced my retirement, I went home the, the day that I announced it, which was early in the season, I knew it was done. And I went home, hugged my wife. She says, that's awesome. It's a big weight up your, off, off your shoulder. I said, yeah. She goes, all right, so what are we going to do? I said, I have no freaking clue. Yeah. yeah. And you know how I became what I am right now? Red Bull at that time, which I was with Metro Stars for a while, they came to me and said, what do you want to do? I said, I have no, no idea. They said, and it was awesome. They said, how about we start you in the front office and on the coaching staff? You could be like a third assistant, and you could work in the office and find your groove. Yeah. And that saved me. I had no clue. If it wasn't for them. Do you know how lucky you are, though? Do you know so, how, that, how many players? That's yeah. my point. Yeah. How do we but not clubs have don't somebody, take care of their ex-players. How do a we majority not have somebody, whether it's from the club, from the league, mm-hmm. or from the players' union? For me, it's the players' union. For me, it's the players' union. Yeah, I, I mean, players I, pay into the players' union to pay the salary of, 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 I don't want to say their names, but people who are representing the players mm. in the best light, how could there not be somebody put aside, a specialist board and a financial specialist? Uh, a no, co- no, a, a financial a li- advisor. A life counselor that's on board. You know, Dan, uh, the, the what the hell is his name? Dan Cronin. Yeah. You know Dan Cronin. Yeah. He's the, the, the dr- drug and alcohol guy. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. This guy is on call 24-7. 
for all the people who have been in trouble, it's 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 public knowledge now. Uh, Addy, Fernando Addy mm-hmm. from uh, Cincinnati, when he went through that whole thing. I mean, they they have people in that aspect on call. One hundred percent. But what about what about the guy who retires and has no clue what he's going to do? Not only that, but now the thrill of daily competition. And that mentality is shut off in a blink of an eye. Yeah, we're not doctors. We're not lawyers. I do. Yeah. Listen, I I think, and what I was talking, what I was referring to was a pension plan. Um, But we kind of have that, the 401k. Yeah, but a real pension plan that's based on, see, and here's what I'm talking about with a pension plan, just to be clear. And I've said this to Eddie Pope when he was a part of the Players Union. A pension plan that is solely built off of money that is not here right now. I'm not saying put $25 million into a pension plan for ex-players and then stagger it from three years, five years, ten years. I like that. Uh, which is brilliant. <laughs> but I'm saying future earnings. So as the league continues to grow, then you're diverting a percentage of each of the economic deal that's coming in the league that the players are playing for that will go back to the older players to give them some type of financial resource. Yeah. Because, listen, when, when I retired, Mike, I, I, I didn't have that offer. I didn't have a club that was willing to look after me. I spent two years in the wilderness trying to figure out who in the F I was. And I found snowboarding. That was the only thing that replicated the personal challenge on a daily basis that would fill the hole. And by the way, whatever no one else other talks about is that once you are retired or cut or released or let go, your closest group of friends that you have in the game all of a sudden, gone. Poof. Gone. So... Through all these, through all the struggles and the mental anguish, and like you said, it's it's an itch you can never scratch. It's never. you are now you are now being told that you are no longer Brian Dunseth or Mike Pecky, the professional athlete. Now you're just Mike Pecky or Brian Dunseth. Yeah. And who the hell are you? Yep. Now you're still a son. You're still a husband. Still a father. Still a brother. All of those things come into play. But now it's a whole different world, and the amount of the psychological side of it is devastating because I think for me, at least for I'll only speak for myself, I judged my value as a human being based on the amount of money I was making. And my work ethic and everything that I put into it was a value to me. And so my achievement, my success, my failure, my disappointment was all a financial value because that's how I was taught. Mm-hmm. That's I was taught within the game of success equals new contract consistency, doing things the right way, commitment, all of that was was going to be viewed upon as you are the type of employee that we want to continue to work with. And guess what? I got traded like every other year. I, I mean, I would buy a house, I get traded. I moved to a different, <laughs> got traded. You know, like even here in Salt Lake, I bought a house. I felt like I was playing on a broken foot, had a ripped shoulder. Yep. I had all these things. I get traded to Chivas, to Chivas USA for yep. God's sake. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, oh, it's two for two players. You should feel honored. Well, no, I didn't even want to go there. And then I'm at LA Galaxy, and then I'm retired, and then everything goes. So, you know, you 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 either have structured your life and your career. I wasn't smart. En- I I wasn't good enough to focus my energies in any other direction than who I was as a soccer player. Yeah. So to look at education. You identify yourself as a soccer player. Only a soccer player. Everything was judged off of that. Yeah. yeah. So, like, going to college or getting your MBA or, you know, getting your, co- your graduate degree, any of those things, like going into the business world, all those different angles, that wasn't for me yeah. because I didn't, I didn't see myself. So I tried to figure out how could I generate revenue within the game using what I knew best but still not being on the field every yeah. day. 
was it was devastating, and it took me a long, long time. Mike, I'm still not over it, Brian. Oh, dude, Mike, I used to drive down to L.A. to do Fox soccer games and make three hundred bucks a game, and it cost me when it was all said and done. I mean, sometimes I'd make like fifty bucks, yeah, because I was literally driving my car from Salt Lake City down to L.A. and back. Yeah. I, I get I pull in at eight in the morning because I drove through the night, like. You you sacrifice because you believe in yourself. Yeah. You want, but financially, it's a burden. So to your question, who should be responsible ultimately? I think it's the biggest gray area because. How about everybody takes a little thirty percent out? Yeah, but league, not, but not the team, but, but not even like I, I get no, that. no, not money. I'm talking about opportunities, Brian. Yeah, I'm not talking about I'm, I'm not talking about somebody to step up and say, "Hey, everybody who retires, hmm. here's a job." I want to find you a job. No. Mm. How about guiding them mentally? How about guiding them? You know? I think having a like a, a psychiatrist. Yes, this like, is what you're going to have someone. This is what you're going to go through. Yeah. This is what I feel that you could navigate this. Mm. Th- these are the steps to navigate this. What's your passion? And I'll leave it with this. The reason why I brought that up and was talking about it is because I'm I'm on Twitter last night and here's a name, Mike McGee. Yeah, I saw that. Mike McGee, I just clicked on his account. And yeah. just started going through the media and going through what he's been doing. Do you know what he's doing right now? Mike McGee owns a vodka company hmm. in Chicago. Now, we're talking about my I know whole, Mike. I know Mike did really, really well, and his parents did really, really well. Of course. Yeah. Of course. That, that could be it as yeah. well. That could a good be a side off. thing that he has family, what, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. You know? But I'm thinking about what we just talked about. When I retired... I I retired not because I had something better no, no, or no. because I had something in the making. I retired because my freaking legs couldn't move anymore, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I didn't give it a second thought. Yeah. I said, you know what? I'm done because I'm not going to walk around, collect a paycheck, and be an imposter, you know, and, and <laughs> be content to come off the bench twice a year because I'm 35 years old. No, I'm done. What's next? I have no idea. Yeah, a second thought. Same. So I look at when I clicked on this last time. I'm going, man. How many people have something to walk in like that? That Mike, I'm sure, many. because no. of Mike's work ethic, yeah, whatever his family and everything, yeah, 100%. his work ethic. I'm sure he, way before he thought about retirement, he started chipping away at something like this. And I gave him a lot of credit. And I'm sitting there going, "Wow, why, why didn't I think about you know uh, <laughs> uh, a, a cat tail?" That is removable. Yeah. That the cat, you know, the cats are always chasing their tails and dogs. Well, I only have dogs. So no. Well, all right. Dogs are always chasing their tails, right? Okay. Well, okay. If we lost. Just, just we say yes, them. for God's <laughs> sakes. Dogs chase their tails <laughs> yeah. sometimes, correct? Some of them, yeah, they have. How them. about inventing something that is attached to their tail from Velcro or something that they can actually get their tail mm. and pull it off and feel a sense of accomplishment? That's what I wish I invented. See, now about. I feel bad because that's I had... what I invent. Wish I invented about seven years ago. See, you know, that would have been cool for my bulldog before she passed away. I could have put a fake tail. On her, yeah, but bulldog. And then she was, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I, no, I, no, that's I'm, okay. Sorry. No, I was imagining that. So but I could. Bulldogs put, I could, have little little nub tails, right? Yeah, because they're yeah, cl- they're, yeah they're clipped. So no. then you could give her. It's like it's like. Uh, I'm talking about Lassie with the long tail. Oh god. Always chasing their tail, never getting it. Hmm. How frustrating is that? How about creating a fake tail that you attach to the real tail that they're going to snap onto sometimes and rip it off. And that dog and that cat are going to feel so freaking happy. And I got it. Would you buy it? Yeah. Giblets? No. Nope. <laughs> Why not? What do you mean no? Well, that's uh, that'll do it here for Off the Chest on a strong Tuesday night at 922.43. <laughs> 
Uh, it's an RSO Podcast Network production in collaboration with KSL Podcast, recorded oh, uh, at the KSL Studios in Salt Lake City, Utah, produced by Ryan Hale. Ryan. Who uh, is now my mortal enemy, Sidecar Ryan. Uh, subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. I hope to God you clean this up while I'm gone next week.